And if it looks like we're not going to get together for Easter, then I'll get you instructions that there at home we can all take communion together just like we would here at church. So I have a few announcements. If I want to remind you to remember the carpenter's cabinet with uh, canned food or other non-perishable food items uh, that you may be able to share with them, they're open on Tuesday if you'd like to take that by. Or if you want to bring it by the church, you let me know and we'll take care of that. Also, as we said last Sunday, if you have any prayer requests, I found out, I'm learning learning more about social media, that if you have any prayer requests, you can comment on the video and the guys can take it down and we can know that. And I want to say again, I appreciate Mark and Pat for being here to help us with this at this time. So uh, you just let them know how much you appreciate them too. Or you can text me if you would rather text me at 256-654-0792. Somebody said, well, you know, aren't you afraid to give your telephone number out on Facebook? Nah, I can block a call if I don't want it. So you go ahead and let me know if you have a prayer request. Another thing is uh, Brenda Leathers. I want you to be remembering her. She fell at her home uh, on Friday and broke her arm, and so we need to lift her up in prayer. Pray for all the health workers, health care workers that are on the front line, so to speak, the emergency medical people, uh, first responders, all of these, the police that are out there dealing with this in the public every day and pray for their safety and their protection. Also, I want to encourage you to remember to pray for the retail workers. Now, you, we take that a lot of time for granted, that person that's behind that cash register. But their job has become more and more service than what we could ever imagine. And remember, uh, you pray, you be nice to them and courteous to them, and then you pray for them in the meantime. Uh, as I said earlier, if we're still unable to meet by the 12th, we're going to have that communion service and uh, on, on Facebook Live. Also, we're setting up a way for you to give your tithe online if you'd like to do that either through PayPal or some other website, uh, we'll, and we'll let you know more about that go along. Or if you would just like to bring your tithe by, we'll meet you here at the church, or you can bring it by the house and so that your tithe will go in. And that said, I want to take this opportunity. We have had some people to bring their tithe by this morning and others, but we want to pray over your tithe. And if you're not able to bring it by or something, just set it aside each week, and it'll be okay. But we want to pray over that just now because uh, we feel like that this is an important thing that we continue to sow and so that we can reap the blessing and benefit of God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray over these tithes that have been brought, those that are there in the homes that people are appropriating. But, Lord, I thank you more than anything else that we're a people that are mindful to give. Lord, because your word desires it, you desire it, Father, Not so you can have money, and it's not so much about the church having money, even though, Lord, you know there's expense involved here. But, Father, more than anything else, it's so that finances and good be able to be released in people's lives. So, Lord, we come this morning based on Proverbs chapter 3, verse 8, that says that we're to honor the Lord with our substance and the first fruit of all of our increase. So, Father, we do that just now, and we magnify you in it, And we give you the glory and honor and praise for your blessings upon your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, 
Amen. All right. Now, did I get all the announcements I needed to make? If you will allow me for the next few minutes, if you'll just bear with me, I'll not keep you long. I'm learning how to preach in a time period, even though we don't we don't have a time period on Facebook, but we want you to have this. It's an important message that we have again today. We're again varying from our uh, messages that we was preaching on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, even though the things that we're going to be talking about today are involved in his life and ministry. This is some things that takes place in his second year of ministry, and uh, so we want to look at that. So if you have your Bible there handy, and I pray you do, your Bible or or since your social media is tied up with Facebook just now, get out the old Bible. It's okay to take it and get it out and look at it. It's not old-fashioned. And so, But in Mark chapter 6 and verse 45, Mark chapter 6, verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to, Beth- to Bethesda, Bethsaida. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at, at roaring, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately... He talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he came up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. Now I want you to remember that that phrase right there, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Uh, Now, we'll bring all of this into perspective in just a minute. But the thought I want to share with you today is stuck in a storm. And right now, in America, it seems like we're stuck in a storm. We don't look like that with this coronavirus going on, that we're making much progress. And even though the president and others assure us that we're ahead of the curve, and I take their word for it, but it seems like as a nation we're stuck. But more than that, there's people that are stuck in their everyday lives. They're stuck in things that resemble a storm that's going on in their life. And I'm not just sharing this today because of the uh, COVID-19 thing, but I'm sharing this today because, folks, we all deal with storms of some kind and some Forms. See, there's there's many different forms of storms. There's natural forms and storms. And if you live here in North Alabama, and especially those folks over in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and all across there, there was a storm during the night last night. Woke me up. I mean, the thunder, the lightning, the wind, the hail blowing against the side of the house and limbs everywhere. So there's natural storms. And this last night was just mild for us. But... Still, it was a storm that we had to go to a natural storm. Then there's cosmic storms. There's all kind of, of uh, things flying out in space and meteorites and debris, and they call these cosmic storms. But there's also physical storms people go through, physical that have to do with, with sickness and disease and problems in their body, mental storms where people's minds are bombarded with the things that are going on in this life. 
I mean, just constantly. And, and we make the statement, I've even made it this week. And a lot of the young people have because of the schools being dismissed for the rest of the year and sports seasons being dismissed. And this statement, I've made it, I, I'm having trouble processing this. And the reason is because it's a mental storm that's raging. That don't mean somebody's off their rocker or have some kind of mental disease or mental lapse, but it's just things that comes to bombard our mind. Then there's financial storms. And a lot of people are finding themselves in that right now, in a financial storm. You know, I thank the Lord for the government trying to help out. But folks, if this check from the government is all it's going to take to get you through life, then you're not, you don't need much. Because I'm going to tell you that's going to stop. And you know, and I don't mean to be a spoiler of that. I, I thank God for it, like I said. But somebody's going to pay for that somewhere at some point in time down the road. And we need to realize that. So, you know, it's good to have that. And, but, but I, I want to encourage you, don't spend that money before you get it. Because if you do, you're going to end up being in trouble. My mama told us boys a lot of times, she'd say, boys, don't count your chickens for the hatch. Because they may be 12 eggs in that nest, but it may not hatch out but seven chickens. So you don't, you know, don't count them before they hatch out. But there's, there's all kinds of, and there's spiritual storms. Satan has a roaring lion, and we'll talk about this again. But he goes about to seeking whom he may devour, those that he may come against and try to keep down and, and to make you feel like you're nothing and a nobody and that God don't love you anymore, that this time you missed it and you're going to go under. I mean, you're just this storm is going to take you down. But I've got some news for you today. Even though these disciples were stuck in a storm, they didn't stay stuck because Jesus came to them just like he will you. Through the Bible, we find many things about storms. One thing that we find out about storms is that sometimes a storm was used for judgment. You say, no, wait a minute, Pastor. Well, wasn't it a storm that brought the, the flood in Noah's day? Because it talks about the storm and the thunders. It talks about how the caverns of the deep opened up. And it was just such a devastating flood. And it was because of judgment. That storm came because of judgment. Then in Jonah chapter 1, you read where Jonah was going to go to Nineveh, or God told him to go to Nineveh, and he said, I don't want to do that. But he got out in the sea, and a storm came up to make Jonah realize he needed to change his destination. So this storm came to help him realize that there's a different direction. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Not all storms are bad. There's times that storms will come, and we need to stop, and we need to look to God and say, okay, God, here I am. Where do you want me to go, and what do you want me to do? Because I've said a lot of times that, you know, that one thing that keeps me going and seeking the will of God is because when God tells me something, I don't want to do it, I look out and there lays a whale. But you know what was before the whale? There was a storm that came. So if Jonah had repented on the ship, the storm would have ceased on the ship, but he didn't. And then another kind of storm it talks about is in Matthew chapter 7. We talk about this a lot. I believe we mentioned it last Sunday. Uh, because storms comes to everybody. And they're not so much to come to teach. They're not so much to come to give direction. It's just that life happens, people. This this COVID-19 thing is not just a China deal. It's not an Italy deal. Now then, in America... There's more cases of this thing being reported than there and than any other nation on the earth. And and there's a lot of churches. I read of one church in Arkansas that the pastor and his wife and forty members of that church. So you see, things happen in life that happens to everybody, and these storms come that way. In the New Testament, there's two storms talked about that Jesus was in. 
One of them is in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. And I've said a lot of times that when it comes to storms, there's three ways that we can look at them. Number one is that Jesus will be with us and he'll speak the word and the storm will cease. Another one is like he did with Peter in this same passage in Mark, as you read that in Matthew 14, is where Peter walked on the water and sometimes Jesus will come and take your hand and, and you'll just walk on that storm and walk out of it. And then there's other times like Paul when he was in the storm over in the book of Acts on his way to Rome and, and he said that the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said nobody would be harmed. So there's sometimes that we're, he's not going to speak and the storm, storm cease right then. There's other times that we're not going to walk out of that thing immediately, but there's other times that he'll calm the storm in our life and we'll go through that storm and we'll win out. So, but in, in, then there's in, in Matthew and John, John chapter 6, talks about this storm here we see Jesus not in the boat, but we see him watching them and walking to them and coming to them in their hour of need. We ought to remember his promise, and we, we talk about this a lot. One of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. He said, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Now understand, child of God, this morning, you are redeemed according to the Word of God. You're redeemed. And because of that, there's a special kind of relationship and a special kind of protection that you have with Almighty God. Let's read on. He said, I have called you by your name, your mind. Listen to what he said. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And... and when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame scorch you. And now, he's with us in the storm, and he's with us in the fire. The three Hebrew children found out that he was good for his word when they were in Babylon and was cast in the fire furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar saw three, uh, four people in there, and one of them looked like the Son of God. So he said, I'll be with you when you go through the fire. Well, if he's going to prove part of that to be true, true, and I believe he proves the rest of it to be true when he says, I'll go with you through the storm. I'll be with you in the rivers. I'll be with you in the waters, and you'll not drown. You'll not go under because I, the Lord, am with you. Now, sometimes storms bring a blessing. And, and you say, well, how do you get that? Well, how many times have we been in the, the dry summertime and it's hot? And then here come a thunderstorm, and, and it wets the ground. And so there's a blessing involved in that storm. And if we would stop to realize the storms that we're in, that's going on, the one that's going on right now, there's blessing in that. What is that? Well, one thing, people are slowing down, and, and they need to slow down. Another thing is that families are doing things together. I had the privilege this week of fishing a little bit. Uh, matter of fact, uh, from Monday through Saturday, I only was able to fish five days, and I apologize for not making it six. But anyway, one thing that I saw, I saw a lot of families together, fathers and mothers and their children on the banks of the, of the lakes fishing and out in the boats fishing and, 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 it, and seeing in other situations. They're going hiking and going camping and things of that nature. Families are spending time together. We, re, we need to realize, folks, that even though this thing is bad and people are sick and people are dying, there's a blessing in these things if we'll just look at it. 
And, and see, we don't make light or little of the fact that this thing is killing people. Not one bit in the world. It's a serious situation. But, folks, what I'm telling you is this. That, that old saying is that, that behind every cloud there's a silver lining. And the sun is going to shine again. The storm that you're in will not always last. But, listen, while we're in this storm, let's find the best that we can find in this storm and go on and continue with Him. Now, Sometimes storms are Satan-promoted. They're prompted by him. And, and I wouldn't tell you that every storm that comes through, every tornado, every hurricane, that Satan's involved in it, that he's doing that. Because, let me tell you, the natural forces of this life, because of the sin of Adam, the way this earth goes about, goes through the seasons, there's times that storms are going to happen just because they're going to happen. But there's times that Satan will bring about a storm in your life to try to destroy you and to bring you down. In the book of Job, when Job, before, before God, was considered a perfect and upright man. And Satan said, turn him over to me and I'll have him to curse you to your face. And God said, listen, just don't touch his body. Well, Job had some children. And these children didn't always do what was right, sort of like some kids today, you know, don't do what's right. And But a lot of them do. Thank God I got children in my life and people that I know that they do right. But sometimes children don't do it right. But Job every day offered sacrifices to them for them in case they had said something or did something they shouldn't do. But then Satan came against Job and, first of all, took all of his possessions, all of his cattle, Destroyed his lands with fire. But then in Job chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, here come these messengers to Job telling him these things. And Satan was the author behind these things. And he said this, while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people and they are dead and I alone have escaped. So there was a tornado came and did that, and that was Satan prepared and motivated. Now, as we look at this, this story that we're talking about here, about the storms, in Matthew chapter 14, as it deals with this, in verse 25, it said the winds were contrary, contrary winds. Uh, this was not a full storm, as, as you'd think about rain and, and wind and thunder and lightning that way. And they tell me that on the Sea of Galilee that there's a lot of times, especially at night, when because of the change in the temperature, that winds will come down from the north and sweep across the Sea of Galilee and cause waves as much as three and four feet high with no rain, no thunder, anything. And that's what was going on here with these disciples. It was a contrary wind. The word contrary, now think about this, and I want all you young people that are listening to remember this because of the school situation that's going on right now. Seniors that are not going to have a normal graduation that don't look like at this point. Uh, prom, hopefully, is going to happen. Softball season, there's a very far outside chance that it will happen. But in the meantime, these situations are contrary to our normal course of life. And that word contrary means opposite or against our goals. See, we all have goals. There's things that we want to accomplish, but we're not able to get there. These disciples' goal was to get to the other side from where they were. He told them, said, get in the boat and go to the other side. And this was their goal. Now, they got in the boat in the evening time. But now then, it had got on to the fourth watch of the night 
which is the fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m. Now, these guys, and according to John chapter 6, verse 19, they had only gone three or four miles by this time, had been out there roaring all this time, and had not gone anywhere. Why? Because the wind was against them. It was opposite to them. It was blowing, and they couldn't make headway. You know, <clears throat> one day in fishing, Brother Wayne Cryer and myself went fishing, and, and it got so windy, we couldn't fish anywhere because it was so windy. And I thought about how that, you know, thank God we had a trolling motor because if we'd had to use a paddle to try to keep that boat going, I don't know how we'd ever made it anyway. But what I'm saying is this. These guys, all they had was arm strength and paddles to get this thing going, and they had been at it now for three to four, or for several hours to somewhere between three and six o'clock in the morning, and they wasn't going anywhere. You see, this contrary winds, <clears throat> it represents two things that can happen. Number one is they weary us from the toilet. You know, Things blow against us and come against us. Look like it looks like every step we take, there's something there against us. It's trying to come against us, and we keep plugging, we keep going, we we don't give up. Family situations come up, but we and it just blows against us. We have a direction, we have a desire, a goal, and it just seems like they keep going against us. People with financial goals, and all of a sudden things, everything just starts tearing up, and things start happening. To lose a job or something along that nature. And and people just keep going. Let me tell you something, child of God. If you find yourself today beginning to get weary from the toiling that you're involved in in your life, whether it is physical or mental or, or financial or spiritual, don't give up. Don't throw up your hands and quit because if these disciples had a quit rowing, they would have been blowed right back to where they come from. They would have not made any progress at all after putting all of that effort into it. Now think about that. You're toiling in your life. But and things are going on mentally in your mind and in your in your job and your finances, in your body and in your family and your family situation. Let me tell you something. Don't give up. Don't quit because if you do you're gonna get blowed back to where you were before and that wouldn't be good at all. So remember that and another thing, these contrary winds keeps us from our goals. Things that we want to accomplish. I, I thought about this this week. These goals get blocked. You know, we've been talking about now for going on three years about building on to our church, about extending the sanctuary. I mean, covering in the front porch and making it a vestibule, extending the sanctuary out this way at 32 feet and enlarging our fellowship hall and building an addition over there. And, and these are goals that we have. Right now the goal is to get the sanctuary enlarged. And you think, well, Pastor, if we keep having church on Facebook, we won't need it enlarged. We're not going to always have church on Facebook. Understand that we're going to get through this storm. Okay? But, but what I'm saying is this. We have a building fund. And after all of this time, our building fund is just a little over $12,000. And thank God for that. Don't get me wrong. But every time I talk to a contractor about coming to look at what we've got, They'll say, oh, yeah, I'll come, and I never hear from them. And it just, sometimes it just seems like it gets discouraged. And I think, well, God, do you want us to do anything? 
Do you want us to, to get to this thing to the other side? But let me tell you something, folks. I'm convinced of this, that God said do it and it'll come to pass. Just as surely as it did when we built this building that we're in, we had been going for, for almost eight years before we ever built this building and moved into it. And the reason was I was waiting for the Lord to say do it. And my daddy was preaching out of this same passage of Scripture except the one in Matthew about the same incident. And the Lord said this to me. I'm not looking, or he said this, he said, if the water had been calm, there'd have been 12 disciples trying to walk on it. And he said, I'm not looking for somebody that'll build, build it, buy land and build buildings when they got money. I'm looking for somebody that'll buy land and build buildings when they got faith in me. And I said, Lord, that's us. And so this came about, and just a couple of years later, all of this was done. Now, what I'm saying is this. The winds are going to blow against us, the winds of adversity, the contrary winds to stop us and to slow us down. But don't give up, child of God. You've got to keep going. Remember, he said, I will be with you in this time. You see, we've got to remember this. God knows what's going on. You know, God's not surprised by anything. Never has been. He was not surprised in the Garden of Eden. He's never been surprised, and he's not surprised about what may be going on in your life. I want you to listen to what he said. It says here that he made his disciples. In verse 45, he made his disciples. Now, in the in the Greek where it said he made is a very strong verb, very strong. And it was not the... Just saying, well, guys, I really would like for y'all to get in the boat and go to the other side. That wasn't what it was. He didn't say, well, you know, it's getting dark. and You guys think it might be a good idea for y'all to just get on over the road. No, he commanded them. That's what this means. He compelled them. He said, get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't say, wait on me. He didn't say, here, I'll be with you. He just said, go to the other side. And he climbed the mountain and got up there and prayed. Now, we got to realize that Jesus knew what was going on. He knew the possibilities of the Sea of Galilee. And in his, in his God part of him, he knew no doubt that there was going to be a storm. But he needed these disciples to see how that faith in him would bring them through it and that they'd not be harmed or hurt any way whatsoever. He knew the winds were going to be contrary. Now listen, he didn't design the problem. He didn't design your problem. He didn't design what we're going through in this world. He didn't design. I read a thing that that coronavirus is God's judgment on the world. Well, and, and I'm not saying that it's not, but I have trouble understanding that, folks. Listen, I, I know that things happen and they come, but understand that God did not design this problem. He didn't invent coronavirus. You've got to realize that. It wasn't God that started it. They, they talk about China started it. and they, uh, China says America started it. said that uh, President Trump had troops to come there and plant this coronavirus. Hey, listen, it came out of hell is the best way I can say it because God did not start this. But I believe that God will use this so that we can see the power of God and the glory of God take place in, in all of this. Now, I'm running out of time. I had set my clock for 30 minutes, and i got seven and a half minutes left, so let me get on here. All right. I want you to understand this. God's not going to sink your ship. That's not what he's after, but he's going to strengthen you through it. Now, think about what went on here, the, what we call them bookends of this situation. In the first part of the, the chapter, fifth chapter of Mark, Jesus fed the 5,000. 
on one side of the storm. On the other side of it, when he came to Bethsaida, that they brought all the people from all the surrounding area, and every one of them that touched his garment was healed. Now, I don't know if the gospel writers designed it this way, or if the Spirit of God did, or if it was just brought to my attention. Look here. Here's a miracle. Here's a storm. And here's a miracle. And that leads me to believe this, that not all of life is going to be just a roller coaster miracles. Miracles, 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 miracles. Because without any storms or difficulties. Now, it was a miracle for Jesus to walk on the water. And it was a miracle for the calm to be storm, a storm to be calmed immediately. I, I grant you that. But we've got to realize this, that things going to come. But I want you to know that Jesus is waiting on the other side. You may be stressed by the struggle, but you're never where, you, where he can't see you. You're never out of his view. He can see you. When Hagar was running away from Sarah, because, you know, that story in Genesis 16, where that Sarah couldn't have a child, she gave her handmaid Hagar to Abraham, Abraham had a child by her, and she got pregnant. Then she started acting a little bit superior to Sarah, her her uh, boss, you might say. And so she decided that she was going to run away. And, and so they drove her out. She ran away, and she went out in the wilderness. And in that wilderness, she stopped by a spring. And at that spring, the angel of the Lord came to her and told her, said, Now, look, don't be afraid. I'm with you. You're going to have a child. He's going to be a boy. You'll name him Ishmael, and he'll be a great God. He said, now go be a great leader. Now go back to Sarah and join yourself to her and be for her like you're supposed to be. And she made this statement. I want you to get a hold of this. Here is Hagar having trouble, and in the middle of that trouble, the angel came to her. The Lord spoke to her, and he said, I know what's going on. And listen to what she said. She called the name of the of that of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. Now think about that. And it's called in the Hebrew language Berlehi Roi, which means the God who sees. Another time is when Abraham was told to offer up Isaac. Think about that storm. He was told to offer up Isaac, and he went up to offer him up according to the word of the Lord, and God stopped him from that and provided a lamb for the offering. And Abraham named that mountain Jehovah-Jireh, which we normally translate, the Lord will provide. But the real translation of that is the one who sees and makes provision for it. God has already seen your circumstances, and he's made provision for it. And this word straining here, there's four meanings that in the Greek language to that. In verse 48 where he said he saw them straining against the wind. First of all, one of the meanings is it's used to describe somebody that's going through judicial examination. And I thought about cross-examination. We've seen it on television. You ever been to courtroom? And when they have a cross-examination, what they're trying to do, this lawyer, the witness is untestified, the lawyer comes up for cross-examination and does his best to make that person out a liar, something that they're not when they've done told the truth. And Satan comes at us that way, and to make us out a liar, to make God out a liar, that God's not really going to do that. Another meaning of this straining is the distress that you go through in a physical illness or mental uh, struggle. This distress and the situation, and many people's had problems most all of their life, physical problems, and we wonder, is it ever going to get better? And to the point that one day we say, Lord, if it's not going to get better, just take me home, and then I know it's going to get better, and I'll get out of this thing. Another one, meaning of this word strain, uh, straining, 
is that it's the tormenting uh, or vexing or tormenting of surrounding pressures or circumstances. And I thought about social pressure, peer pressure that people are under that to go and, and, to, and now especially people ignoring uh, public advice and things of that nature. Now, let me tell you, folks, let me just reinforce this. As the authorities have said, cover your cough, cover your sneeze, wash your hands, wear a mask, do all of these things, but take care of yourself and stay at home as much as you can. Let me tell you this to you. If there's something you don't need for the next two weeks, wait two weeks to get it. Okay? And, and clothes and things of that nature, you're not going to go naked if you don't have, if you don't go buy something new. And of course, you can't now because they're done clothes. And, and order it online if you got to have it. But what I'm saying is this, if we'll stay away from people and follow the advice and not be sucked into a peer pressure thing, oh, come on, it won't hurt. Let's all get together, it won't hurt. Do what they say, 10 or less. Then, but the peer pressure, Lot had problems. He was in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God, it, came, it says in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, And delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So this stressing, this vexing or tormenting thing was because of what he said. And I see all kind of ungodliness going on even in the face of what we're seeing now in this pandemic. And also, it's talking about dealing with this pandemic. You can process this. Then the torment, is, this word straining means the torment that comes from a satanic attack. And this is what we all need to be realizing. That in these times, if we don't keep our faith strong, Satan will come and attack us in more ways than just with a virus or just with financial difficulty. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion goes about seeking whom he may devour. And then in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, The thief, the thief comes not but for to steal kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So understand, folks, that he sees us straining and stressing in this life over these things. But I want you to understand one, one final thing. Sometimes it's the darkest hour before Jesus shows up. Remember they were in the fourth watch of the night, that period of time between three and six. And, you know, they say the darkest hour is just before the dawn. And sometimes the darkest hour is just before the darkest hour. But in that, Jesus will come. We need to realize that He'll show up. And see, when it, when it don't, seem, when don't seem like it can get any worse, think about when they saw Jesus coming. They thought it was a ghost. They got afraid. I mean, here it is. I mean, we're battling these waves and all of these things going. And now then, here comes a ghost. Here comes the spirit of death. What are we going to do? Oh, help us, help us, help us. But then Jesus shows up and said, It is I. Do not be afraid. Folks, your situation may not be as bad as it can get. And it may not be as bad as it's going to be, but I'm here to tell you God sees you and understand that He's not forsaken you and walking away from you. Be strong, child of God. Keep paddling that boat. Don't give up because Jesus is going to be there. Two things. The Lord is on His way to help. He's on His way to help you. And when you don't know what's happening, then Jesus shows up. See, He didn't prepare the problem, but He designed you to deal with it, and He equipped you to overcome it. But Romans 8, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he is condemned? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen at the right hand of the Father who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Think about that, more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing, created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And one final thought. If you read it in John chapter 6, verse 21, it says that when Jesus got in the boat, immediately they were to shore. And sometimes when we get through these things, it'll seem like an immediate thing just took place. And we'll look back and wonder, wow, look what God did. And how this thing, it seemed like forever, did not last forever. Remember we told you back in verse 51 here in Mark, that when Jesus got in the boat, the wind ceased. My prayer today for you is that today the wind ceases. That today the problems and difficulties of this life that the wind begins to die down. Sort of like on a windy day, the wind will begin to die down when it gets over in the sunset time of the day, the, the late evening time, twilight time. And the beautiful things that's happened and the birds are singing and the crickets are chirping and you're just sitting there and enjoying the sun going down and the breeze just begins to go away. I believe in today that those the kind of things begin to happen in your heart and in your life. Sure, the problems are still there. Sure, the waves are still rolling. Sure, the boat's still rocking. But let me tell you, let me assure you this, people, young people, everyone, God is in this. He sees what's taking place, and He's come to help you and to see you through this time. Let's pray. Father, again we come to You, and we thank You, Lord. Almighty God, for Your assurance, for Your comfort, for Your help. And Lord, I pray again for all of our people today, everyone watching this broadcast. Lord, that you touch and that the winds of adversity begin to cease in their life. That they're no longer stuck in a storm. But Lord, that they begin to see some of that immediately. The winds cease immediately to the other side as it happened with your disciples. Lord, we thank you today. We bless you. We bless these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you and we'll be in touch with you.